0: I'm glad. Thank you, young men. I appreciate that. And uh, I would encourage you young people with the counsel of your uh, godly leaders and your parents, first of all, and godly leaders, to consider giving your life to serve the Lord. And I think sometimes we make the mistake of saying, well, if God wants to do something with my life, I'll do it. And uh, and, uh, I, I think we default the wrong direction. If you had the privilege of growing up in a good godly Christian home, in a good church, that believes and knows the truth, why don't you just plan to serve God with your life? And if God wants you to make a million dollars or invent some water filtration system that will save a million lives, then you'll certainly do that if you're surrendered to Him. But if you're not sure, just plan to serve Him. Amen? You say, well, what would I do? There's plenty to do. All right? And uh, so thank you, young men, for giving your life. I appreciate that. We're going to turn to two passages this morning one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. We'll turn to the more familiar passage, First Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and you'll recognize that as the chapter that contains what we call the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to take a note from that. We'll wind up there. So I want you to keep both of these passages marked in your Bible, Luke chapter 15. And, uh, and then uh, also, uh, when you find that, mark it. And then also we'll be reading from the Old Testament book of Amos, Amos, right before Andy, in the. Uh, <laughs> just making sure you're awake. Uh, Amos is one of those uh, little books in uh, at the end of your Old Testament. Uh, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum—those books right near the end of the Old Testament—and so Amos. In chapter number 4 it's where we'll be. And I hope that you'll get where you can see a Bible. If you don't have your Bible with you, I hope you'll try to look along with somebody and be conscious of those around you, if you would, church family. And we'll try to make it so that everyone can see that these words are coming straight from the Lord and from His Word. Having found those passages, let us stand together for the reading of the Word of God. And out of respect for the Word of God, I'm going to begin in Amos in chapter number 4. And uh, I want to ask you to join with me reading two verses, verses 6 and 7, Amos chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. And read these in unison aloud with me, please. Ready. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places, yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you, when there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece were on, it rained not wither. Now we find uh, in the end of verse number 6, the phrase, Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now we're to read more of this as we get in the message. I want you to notice God is pronouncing uh, it, 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 some judgment and he's exercising his sovereignty in one place uh, uh, lack and one place abundance, one place rain, one place no rain. And uh, look what he says in verse number 8 now. Read eight, well, verse 8 with me aloud as well. Ready? So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water. but They were not satisfied yet. Have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Look at the last phrase of verse number 9. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Look at the end of verse number 10. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Look at the end of verse 11. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Don't lose your place in Amos, but just turn to Luke 15. And keep both these places marked for our message this morning. Look at verse number 17. Luke 15 verse 17. This course is talking about the prodigal son, the young man took off from home. He demanded his inheritance early and said, give me my inheritance. And uh, took it and squandered it, lost every bit of it out in the world. And verse 17 said, and when he came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to despair and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. Amen. That's a beautiful phrase, isn't it? Amen. And we'll say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I want to pose a question for the title of the message this morning. And that is this. Why don't we come back? Why don't we come back? Why don't we come back? All of us at times we get away from the Lord. We're not where we need to be, not where we once were. And by the way, backsliding, let me say this backsliding is not uh, positional, backsliding is directional. Some people misunderstand the doctrine of salvation because they misunderstand what backsliding is. The The word is self defining. Backsliding. You understand? It's directional. The word itself, by its very definition, is directional. So a backslider is somebody who's on the move in the wrong direction. So positionally, you may be more spiritual than 90% of the people in this room and be the backslider. Because backsliding is going the wrong direction in your Christian life and in your walk with God. You know there's some folks in this room that cussed this week. But they didn't cuss as much as they used to. And even though they cussed this week, they actually grew spiritually. Now, you all you got a long way to go still if that's you. But you understand what I mean? And then there might be somebody in this room that let uh, some foul language come out of your mouth this week. And you were backsliding. Because this doctrine is not about, it's not about your position. If you're saved, if you've been born, how many been born again? Say amen. amen. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. You have eternal life. You have everlasting life, and so don't argue with me. If it don't last forever, it ain't everlasting. Okay. Don't you? That's not arguing with me. It's argument with the book. Anyway, so this doctrine of backsliding. It's talking about those who were once in fellowship with God and were close to the Lord, but they're getting away from God. So if this is getting further away from the Lord, they're sliding backwards. And uh, First Peter, he, he said this, but grow in grace. We ought to be growing the rest of our Christian life. Amen? Salvation for the, of the soul happens in a moment of time. The moment we trust Christ, we are saved from the penalty of our sins. But the doctrine of sanctification, becoming more and more set apart to God, is something that, by God's grace, will take place throughout our Christian life, each and every day becoming more and more like Christ. Now, why is it? Listen, why is it? Maybe maybe we're here. I've known some folks that got saved and and, and took two or three steps just like bold. They think, good night, this guy's taking off like a rocket. And, And all of a sudden, they slide back. And then there's some folks who just struggle, just seem like they don't, just can't hardly get out of immaturity, just, just barely growing in the Lord. Then there's some that come all the way down here, like a Peter, like a Noah, like a Moses, like an Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. He got saved the same way we did. We did. Amen? He looked forward Amen. to Calvary. We looked back to Calvary. Amen. We all got saved the same way. But he backslid on God. He backslid. He, he, he had a son out of wedlock and he's a friend of God and so backsliding listen you never get to a place in your Christian life where you can't backslide don't don't listen that, that uh, it, 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 you're in a dangerous Bible says so let him that thinketh he standeth what take heed lest he fall it can happen anywhere so what, what why why is it so hard we start backsliding why is it so, we know we can come back we know we can but we don't let's talk about that this morning why don't we come back father please please use me i need your power to communicate that truth this morning to the hearts of your people oh lord i want to encourage your people i don't want to discourage anybody i want to encourage your people and i want us to know oh that you like the father who watched for his son you want us to come back and you want us to be restored And so speak to thy people this morning, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. If you go back to the Old Testament passage, we find in the book of Amos some phrases that are used repeatedly. In Amos, in chapter number 1, this is a short book, and the Bible says in verse number 1, the words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa. Amos uh, wasn't, he wasn't a preacher's kid, he wasn't a, uh, uh, in the priesthood, he was a shepherd, he, was a, he raised sheep for a living, that's what he did, and God needed a man who was a fearless man, I'm glad God uses different kinds of men, amen, I'm glad he uses different kinds of men, but God needed a man that worked with his hands, had calluses on his hand, and dirt under his fingernails, and and uh, if you if you if you if you raise sheep, you probably got stuff on the bottom of your shoes. And uh, God wanted a man like that. He said, "I got a message, and it's going to be a strong message, and I need a strong man to deliver that message." And He called Amos to uh, to, to prophesy to be a season of his life to be a prophet. And uh, and uh, and 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 Amos was, was uh, some of these prophets shot like a like a a, a rifle. Amos shot like a shotgun. Man, he shot everything in sight, Amen. and uh, and, uh, and and he names all these not only the nation of Israel, which we come to in the passage, uh, uh, but but all the nations that surrounded it. For example, he, uh, he says in uh, in the, uh, verse one, the words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning uh, Israel in the days of Uzziah king of Judah, and that puts a, a date stamp on it. In the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Two years before the earthquake, Amos, among other things, was raised up by God to give a warning to God's people and the surrounding nations of God's judgment. The earthquake. You know, <laughs> you 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 you. Prop, some of you in your life, in your conversation, you say you remember when. When we had the accident. And nobody has to wonder what you're talking about in your family, in your circle of friends. The accident. That one. The accident. Well, that's the way the Bible refers to this. This had to be a severe earthquake. Uh, because it's mentioned by Zechariah 300 years later. They're still talking about the earthquake. So there's a, this is a significant uh, event. And Amos is 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 warning in advance of this coming earthquake. He uh, addresses, for example, verse number three, Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Damascus and for four. Damascus was their northern neighbor in, in the capital of Syria there. And uh, and uh, uh, he, he addresses them. In verse number six of uh, uh, chapter one still, verse six, he says, Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. He, uh, and then for uh, verse 6, 7, and 8, he prophesies to Gaza. In verse 9, he said, Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Tyrus, and for four. And he preaches to them for, for two verses. In verse number 11, Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Edom, and for four. Those were distant relatives of, uh, from Esau, of the Israelites. They were not Israelites, but they were relatives. Uh, we get down to verse number 13, Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of the children of Ammon and for four that's the descendants of Lot's unholy uh, relationship with his daughter chapter 2 verse number 1 thus saith the lord for three transgressions of moab and for four that addresses the moabites uh the brother of ammon his uh, descendants verse number 4 thus saith the lord for three transgressions of judah now we're getting to god's people this is the southern kingdom when the kingdom divided under rehoboam uh the two southernmost tribes uh, became known as judah and the ten northern tribes as Israel. And he speaks to them. Verse number six Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four. There it is again. Now he's talking the ten most tribes, and then we get to chapter three, verse number one. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family. So what follows then, he's talking to the whole family. In other words, he's talking to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Now this phrase that's used repeatedly in conjunction with each of these kingdoms is this phrase, for three transgressions and for four. For three transgressions and for four. Here's what God is saying in that phrase, for repeated. And in, he's not saying, we, sometimes we say three or four, we mean just a few. That, that's, not, that's not what this means. This means uh, three and four and on and on and on and on. It, it's, a, it's a phrase that denotes a continuation or progression. And so he says, for repeated and innumerable acts of rebellion. And then he gives his message of judgment coming. Can I tell you, my dear friend, how many, many times God in his mercy has come to us in our day with men of God who have, like the prophets of old, thundered out God's truth and given our country warning. You can go back and listen to the old-time preachers I mentioned last week in my message. You can go listen to those old uh, 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 sainted men of God and, and the, old, the, the old wise men. I love to hear Lester Olaf uh, and uh, uh, comes on the radio and hears voice in the house and and this week, uh, our girls were listening to sermons by these uh, age of men and, 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 and 30 and 40 and 50 and uh, plus years ago. These men thundered out the warnings like Amos of old. And we could say today for three transgressions and for four, for repeated offenses, for repeated backslidings. And, and, and here in chapter 3, he says, "Oh, children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt. He says in chapter 3, verse number 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? Let me paraphrase. Here's what God is saying to his people. He said we can't keep going like this. We, we can't keep going like this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? There's an understood answer. The answer is no. You can't. And God is saying to this this sheep herder, this 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 rancher, if you will, this farmer, if you will. God said, put you a uh 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 grab a grab a scroll and and go out. I need I need another voice. I need another voice. This is God's mercy. Then he would send Amos, take Amos from his ranch and send him to preach and proclaim the truth, and he comes to him. Chapter 4. Amos's message Hear this word, ye kine. A kine is a cow of Bashan. That are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, bring and let us drink. That's interesting. Uh, this, some, there is some, uh, uh, some tongue-in-cheek in Amos' message. There's some sarcasm in his message. <laughs> Forgive me, but I, let me just say, if I said what he just said in plain English today... I'd say, you fat cows. That's what he said. Bashan was known for its lush uh, uh, pasture land. And the Bible talks about the cows of Bashan. They were big. <laughs> they were big. Amos is not big. Remember, Amos is, you know, he didn't go to seminary. Amos didn't go to Bible college. Amos, he came right off the ranch. And God said, I need somebody like you. <laughs> I need somebody like you to sound the warning." He said, you bunch of fat cows. Now, amen. That's what he's saying. He calls out their sin. He, he says, you, you, uh, uh, and by the way, he was talking about in, even in that sarcasm, if you will. I'm not sure that's the right way to proclaim it, uh, describe it, but to try to help us understand what the man of God is doing. He's trying to get people's attention. Right, you understand that? Trying to get people's attention, and what he's calling out is their overindulgence. What he's calling out is is uh, uh, and, and 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 this is actually a feminine word. Kind is actually a feminine uh, uh, noun. And so, I, I'm not sure if he's talking about if, uh, the effeminate, the effeminacy of the men. He might have been. He might have been talking about the ladies. Uh, you know, you, if you look at the way ladies dress in a country, that tells you a lot about the prosperity of a nation. And uh and, and and what he's calling out here is that there's a there's a group of people in the land that are indulgent and they're living lavishly, but they're doing so at the expense of others, they're taking advantage of others. He says in verse number one, these uh kind of nation uh which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. He's calling out overindulgence. He's calling out lust. He's calling out greed. He's calling out dishonesty. He's calling out uh, oppression. He's calling out drunkenness. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. Right now, our North Carolina uh, legislature is entertaining a bill that would uh, 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 increase gambling. Now, let me help you with something. Do you know who pays the price for gambling? the oppressed and the needy. I'm not trying to be unkind, but sometimes go look and watch the kind of folks who are buying the lottery tickets. You do not see a man uh, uh, pull up in a a suit and tie and get out of a BMW and go in and start scratching a card. You don't see that. Number one... If he if he if he got his if he got his BMW by hard work, kudos, God bless him. Amen. Amen. But if he got it that way, he didn't get it by a scratch and sniff card. Do you hear me? The the, 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 the idea that somehow we legalize marijuana is gonna make things better. Let me tell you something. The oppressed already, the children already that aren't fed well, the, the homes already, where there's already domestic violence, those are the people who are gonna pay the price. Some pockets are going to be lined. Some folks are going to be enriched. And others are going to pay the consequences. We are exactly where God's people were in the day. And we need a leather lung sheep herder to come and say, you bunch of fat cows need to get right with God. Amen. Verse number 3, Ye shall... Excuse me, verse number 2, The Lord God hath sworn by His holiness that lo, the day shall come upon you. Then it will take you away with hooks. Isn't that an interesting word right there? And your posterity with fish hooks. There's a lot of people hooked on things today. A lot of people hooked on dope. Hooked on booze. A lot of people hooked on perversion. And ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. And here's where the sarcasm comes in in verse number 4 and 5. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgressions. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. He said, live it up. Bethel was the place where they worship the golden uh, images, the golden calves. And, 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 and there's some tongue-in-cheap here tongue-in-cheek here, the man of God is pointing out their sin uh, through sarcasm. uh, At Verse number number 5, And offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with living, and proclaim and publish the free offerings, for this lacketh you, this is just like you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. What he's he's doing is, what's that word we were looking for this week? Satire. He's using satire. Stay out of my message. Uh, we had this conversation this week trying to come up with a word. And the word was satire. He's using satire, if you will, to make his point. Come on, you, you know, come sacrifice. Act religious all you want to. But the truth is this. Your heart is far from God. You're in a state of rebellion against God. And it's just like you. That's what he says in this verse. He's calling them out in uh, with satire, if you will. Now look at verse number 6 again. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. That didn't mean they had scope and, 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 and crest and toothbrushes. That little phrase, when the Bible talks about eating some of your teeth, it's talking about meat. There's already scarcity in the land. Meat was becoming scarce. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want, that word want means lack lack of bread in all your places bread was becoming scarce now wait a minute the judgment of God had already come and Amos was one that was crying out said don't you think don't you think it's time to get right don't you think it's time to quit playing games with God you're already experiencing a a, 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 a scarcity of meat you're already the ex- bread uh, you're already experiencing a a, 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 a A lack of bread yet, verse six, have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord? We get down to verse number seven. And also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. Look at me. They tilled the land, they planted the seed, they watched the harvest start coming up out of the ground. And it looks so promising. Oh, it's going to be a bumper crop. We're low on bread. We're low on meat. But look at the fields out there. Oh boy, we're just about to hit our fortune. We're just about to turn the corner here. And it's all going to work out after all. And God said, I'm going to drop the rain. And I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. May I say this? And I speak, I speak to all of us as God's people. By the way, if you're not the backslider today, you very well may be the backslider tomorrow. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He says, well, I don't need this message today. Well, put it in your medicine cabinet because you might need it pretty soon. <laughs> Nobody plans a backslide. But here he says, he says, uh, uh, here you are three months and then, and I cause it to rain here and cause it not to rain here. How, that that, this, that means this, I mean, God is very specific. God said, this in my sovereignty, and, and can, I, can I tell you something? Bless your heart. You can use a plastic straw, a paper straw, or no straw, and I got news for you, you're not going to change the weather. You can drive an electric car, you can drive a gas hog, or you can ride a bicycle and you're not going to change the weather. Do you hear me? God controls the weather. Amen. God controls the weather. But you can't tax God, so we have to have some kind of a crisis so we can Anyway, but God said I cause it to rain here and I cause it not to rain there. God is using his sovereignty and his control over the weather for good for his people to try to get their attention, to try to bring them back to himself. And, and here they are. They're, they're like, oh boy, we're going to turn the corner now. We're living in a state of rebellion, but oh, our prospects are looking good. I got my crops out there and there's a bumper crop to see. It's so all going to work out after all. And just before the time of the harvest, God dried up the rain and they watched as their prospects for prosperity <coughs> withered away. God can do that. God did that in Egypt, in Goshen. He caused uh, the storms and the hail and the darkness to be in Egypt and not in Goshen. And the disease and the things that were happening in Egypt did not touch God's people in Israel. God is able to do that. Amen. Verse number 8. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water. You know what's happening here? Because of the judgment of God, people are relocating. They run out of water. Well, you you don't have water. You can't, you can't farm. You're going to have a house. If your well drives up, I mean, they didn't have city water. Okay. But your well drives up. You got to move. You cannot exist without water. So here's somebody. They come. They work hard. They get established. They bust their knuckles and, and they break their back. And they got they 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 work the land. And 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 and, uh, and and the 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 cattle's not doing well. They're not healthy. And and the the crops haven't been doing well last years. But now, boy, we just stuck with it. And 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 now and now we got a bumper crop coming up. And we boy, we're going to turn the corner. And we're finally going to get out of this this slump we're in. And God said, turn the spigot off. And guess what happens? Now they have to pack up everything and relocate. God is saying, how many times do you have to relocate, retool, and start over somewhere else? Why? Because you don't want to return to me. I have in my notes here a few people that I'm absolutely convinced... And I told him so. Tried to retool, relocate, instead of get right with God. <laughs> I remember years ago, <clears throat> a man sitting in this room called me. He said, Pastor, we're so-and-so. He owes me money. I said, yeah, you're not the only one who owes money to. I said, he left. Where'd he go? Bible college. Bible college. I told him we left. I said, you had no business leaving town when you have debts and you have no business acting spiritual, you're going to go off to Bible college. You're not going to Bible college. You're running away from the debt collectors. That's what you're doing. That dear man, I love him. I love him. And my heart uh, hurts for him. But he spent much of his life doing that very thing till he ran out of places to go to. Last I knew, he had relocated to a jail. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? How, instead, of, instead of, well, I'll start somewhere else. How about this? How about just get right with God? How about just get right with God? How, and look, forgive me. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But instead of another marriage, how about let's get right with God first? How about let's do that first? I'm not saying God can't restore. Listen, this room's filled with folks who God is blessed. But let me tell you, the first things first, the first things first is this, let's return, let's get back to the Lord. Amen? Amen. You'll need a new job, you'll need a new spouse, you'll need a new house, you'll need a new city. You need a relationship with the God of heaven who loves you, who is your heavenly father. You need to be restored to him first and foremost. He says in verse number, Eight, so two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Didn't work out. Yet, still, have you not returned unto me? Saith the Lord. He says in verse nine, "I've smitten you with blasting and mildew, when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palm worm devoured them. Yet have you not returned unto me?" Saith the Lord. You know what you call that? You call that divine deterrence. That's what you call that. God just simply won't let you succeed without Him. By the way, you say, man, God hates me. No, that's God's way of saying He loves you. In Haggai, a few books over in Haggai, in chapter number 1, he said it this way. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. of a lot of God's people who are just fretting themselves to death, doing everything they can, just about to turn the corner, always about to turn the corner, stuffing, stuffing their, their earnings into a bag with holes. And let me tell you something, you know what that is? That is an expression of God's love. That is God not, that's divine deterrence. That's not, that's God not allowing you in His love and mercy, not allowing you to succeed without Him. You, let me tell you something. You say, well, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not living for the Lord and I'm doing just fine. And let me tell you something, my friend, the fortunate one is the one who can't succeed without God. The fortunate one is the one who always gets caught. The fortunate one is the one who is still struggling and God in His mercy and grace is still holding the rain back, turning the spigot off, and whatever He needs to do to try to get your attention and say, Listen, just come back to me. Just come back to me. Just come back to me. Verse number 10. He said, I've sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. You're a young men. Pestilence is disease. It's like God is saying, how many diseases do you have to get before you come back to me? It's a little sensitive, but I want to say it. 1950s, there was two STDs that we were dealing with in America. Two. Now then today, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 STDs. 26 million new cases every year, and one in five Americans are infected. You know why? Because we bought into this philosophy that says it doesn't matter. Listen, in in our government-run education system, we are teaching our children things that ought never be spoken. Outside the home, by moms and dads, responsible moms and dads who teach their children uh, the things uh, 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 of, uh, of, of, of 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 marital life and intimate life, and that's no, that's nobody else's job. But 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 we're learning it from cartoons now, and we're learning it from the back of the bus, and we're learning it now in in, in classes in school, and, and we're teaching kids. Well, they're going to do it anyway, so we might as well teach them how to do it safely. Let me teach something, my dear friend. I uh, thank God. Thirty years ago, I put something on right here. And I've been wearing it for 30 years and it's kept me protected. I'm not worried about any kind of disease. Why? Because God has a plan and it's one man and it's one woman who keep themselves for each other for life. That's God's plan and it's a good plan. And we as a country, if we continue to defy God and promote lust and promote immorality, it's like it's no big deal. We will continue to, to, to experience that divine deterrence as God lovingly tries to push us back into Himself. He says in verse 11, I've overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have ye not returned unto me. How, how many times has the Lord spared us from tragedy? He said, he said I, 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 I sent I, I, I said fire and brimstone, but I plucked you out of that, that judgment, and still you're not going to come back to me. Yeah, uh, a couple weeks ago, I knocked on the door. I met a, I met a man, and um, knocked, uh, actually uh, met a man just uh, out and about. Found out where he lived. He didn't live far from the church here, and I got his address and. And uh, went to follow up with him. And he, uh <laughs> I knocked on his door, he said, Pastor, he said, I'm going to be in church tomorrow. He said, I'm going to be my uncle's church. He said, my kids are going to ride the bus. I was oh, like, well, gosh. that was easy. I've been trying to get him to come for a while. He said, he showed me a garage, open, open garage. He said, my girlfriend and I were in that garage a few days ago when the storms came through. And we're standing in that garage, and uh, we said, man, it's, it's, uh, it's getting, we need to get inside. The storm is coming pretty strong. He said, about that time, lightning struck right in the driveway. At the most, it was where the garage is to, the, to, to get in the house, 20 steps maybe. Right in the middle, 10 feet away, lightning struck right there. Boom. He said, it knocked us both off of our feet backwards, and we landed on the ground. He said, it, we were shaken up. He said, we stood up. I said, listen. And he just told me, he told his girlfriend, he said, lightning never strikes twice in the same place. Let's get inside. He said, we take two or three steps down the drive, and lightning struck again. And the sparks it right in front of us. He said, we made it inside safely. And when we got in, we fell on our knees and cried out to the Lord he said I will be in church tomorrow (laughs) turn to Luke 15 turn to Luke 15 all these things the prophets of old warned and warned and warned and said yet they've not come back Yet yet they've not returned yet they've not returned yet they've not returned I asked myself this so many times and I thought about this prodigal he said in verse number 11, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered together all and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want, needy, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? Can not tell you why we don't come back? Number one, we haven't come to the end of ourselves. We haven't come to the end of ourselves. We still want our way. We're still we're still uh, 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 looking for it out in the world. What do you mean looking for it? What drove us away from God in the first place? If you read this passage, you'll find here an ungrateful, discontented, dissatisfied, disrespectful, demanding young man—a very fortunate and blessed young man. Safe in his father's house, reared in his father's house, and he comes and he says, Give me the portion of goods in verse 12 that fallen to me, and he divided unto Dad, divided unto them all his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Here's a young man. No, you, no, nobody ought to talk to their parents that way. Give me what's mine, give me what I got coming to me. He's ungrateful, discontented, dissatisfied, disrespectful, and demanding. And it didn't take him long until he was out of the house, gathered all together. That means this, if this is his estate, obviously a farm country, that means he had to sell off a portion of his estate because if I said put it all in a bag, that's not real smart. You put everything you own in a bag and go walking down the street, especially where he was headed in a crowd he's going to be running with. No wonder it was gone pretty quickly. And uh, anyway, here's this young man. He's a foolish young man. He doesn't listen to reason. His dad can't talk to him. He's discontented. He's dissatisfied. He's ungrateful. And he takes off into the world. And pretty soon everything he's got is gone. And he finds himself at the bottom of the bottom. And he came to himself. You know, I'm absolutely convinced a lot of people won't come back because they haven't come to the end of themselves. So the question that's begged here by Amos is this. Exactly what else does God have to do to say to you, don't you think it's time to come back? I turned the spigot off. Don't you think it's time to come back? There's no meat. It's time to come back? There's very little bread. Time to come back. I, I, I rained down fire from heaven and plucked you out of the middle of that. I spared you. Do you think it's time to come back? This young man finally came to himself. I think many, many people are still out there looking. What they left, what they had at the Father's house that they didn't know they had, They left to go look for it in the world. This escape, uh, this easier life when God said the way of the transgressor is hard. This promise of pleasure. Yes, there's pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible said. But the Bible also says that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Some people listen to me carefully. All the world can do is is turn the music up and, 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 uh, uh, and make the lights brighter and try to create some scene that's a mirage. There he is, but it's short-lived and after that there's pain and heartache and regret and sadness my dear friend listen you stay in the father's house you don't have to leave the father's house those have gone out need to come to themselves listen listen it's not just the drunkenness that you need to repent of it's the fact that when you lived at the father's house and had a people around you that loved you and cared for you and taught you and trained you and and, and counseled you and prayed for you and prayed with you. Uh, uh, It's a return to humility and gratitude for what God gave you and what you left. Many haven't come to the place the prodigal came to. But look what he did. He said in verse 18, I will rise and go to my father. And I was saying to uh, to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of the hired servants you know look at me real carefully we have a little hint of something in verse number 19 I think a lot of folks don't come back I think the devil says you're unworthy now wait a minute it's not that statement. It's not that thought. It's the implication of that thought that keeps people away. He says, well, I'm not worthy to come back. I'm not worthy. Now, if you're expecting me to say, yes, you're worthy, I'm not going to say that because you're not worthy and I'm not worthy. But he is worthy. See, the world addresses this and says See, that feeling of unworthiness is because of God, because of of those who believe in absolute truth because of those Bible believers. And that's why you feel unworthiness and the world identifies that feeling of unworthiness as the problem. Several years ago, I remember when the nine Supreme Court justices of the highest court in our land said, it's all right for people to be married who are of the same gender. I got news for you. It might be all right with the Supreme Court, but it's not all right with God. It's still a sin. Amen. Now you would think that we're all celebrate. oh finally we, we're treated equally, oh finally we get some respect, oh finally. But let me tell you something, they, they are more furious than they've ever been before. Why? Because whatever, whatever you feel, if you have to go around your whole life proving that I'm equal, I, I, I need a law that says I'm equal. I need a law that says I have to be treated just as fairly as everybody else. Listen, my dear friend, that is not an external thing that can be fixed with laws or books in a library or curriculum in a school. That is something broken on the inside. That is sin which brings shame and reproach on the inside. And I can pat you on the back and wave a flag of different colors and you'll still feel the same guilt and shame inside because God put that in your heart like He did mine. That is an internal issue, not an external issue. You say, I'm not worthy to come back. Exactly. But He is worthy. He is worthy. Amen. You don't come because you're worthy. You come in your unworthiness. You, God doesn't. You don't have to clean up to come to God. You come to God to get cleaned up. Amen. By the way, that's why this church... Ought never be a bunch of highbrow stuck-up people who look down their nose at brokenness this ought to be a place where people who need to get cleaned up can come amen. and folks say hey we're so glad you're here I had to get cleaned up one day too man alive that preacher I like he use steel wool on my hide to clean me up <laughs> ouch but well, it sure feels good to be clean again amen, amen. amen. he's worthy don't let that sense of unworthiness keep you away let that sense of unworthiness drive you back to him Charlotte Elliot grew up in the church of England she was religious but she was lost Miss Hamer come to the piano if you would I'll tell you the story of the song just as I am i have her play it just a moment she grew up in the church of England she was religious but she was not saved she was lost She grew up in a very moral home. and She was talented. She was an artist and she was a writer. But at 32 years of age, Charlotte was stricken with an illness that became debilitating. And Charlotte, who was once a happy, though not a Christian, she was a happy, emotionally well-adjusted, grateful girl and young lady. But when the illness came, she became bitter She became angry at God and angry at the world. She began to close herself off from the rest of the world. One day, uh, a servant of God from Switzerland had come to their home by the name of Cesar Milan. And Charlotte's dad asked, said, would you try to talk to my daughter? She's just not in a good place. And Charlotte was broken and bitter and angry and that servant of God began to talk about to her about the grace of God and the sovereignty of God and the love of God and the truth of God's word began to melt her heart and began to soften and he asked her he said you're not happy the way you are she says no I'm not happy and he began to advocate for faith in Christ and Charlotte said I there's no way I can come to Christ, bitter and angry as I am. How would I, how would I be worthy, so to speak, to approach Him? And Sister so Malone very wisely said, "Charlotte, to come to Christ, you just come as you are." And that truth began to settle in her heart. A short time after that, she did come to Christ. And put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ as her personal savior. God saved her soul. And restored some joy and happiness in her life. As a result of that experience in meditation. On what that godly man had spoken to her. In her hour of dire need. She sat down and penned the words. Just as I am. Without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God I come. Just as I am. Just as I am. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? In a moment, we're going to play that invitation song, Just As I Am, without one plea.